0: Welcome to the PT Mentor Academy podcast. This was an episode we recorded uh, a couple of months ago with Steve McGrath. Um, Runs an incredible service um, through transformation, uh, packages and programs uh, that he delivers online. Uh, An immense episode, lots of insights, lots of kind of real time, Opinions, viewpoints from tried and tested methods from Steve. So sit back and enjoy, grab a pen and paper and take advantage of all the great content Steve is giving you all. I am
1: in catch me this. We are live. Right, people, good afternoon. I hope you are all very, very well. Let me just get the uh, thing up so I can see it. Um, as you all know, as we've been kind of building up for the last few days, um, bringing Steon. let me turn the me, meter off, it's too noisy, bringing Steon to talk about his online transformation business, how it was built, but more so in and around the service and the elements of service that he gives his clients to get some unreal like, results, some real um, life-changing results in a short space of time, um, from what I see anyway. So, Steve's going to talk through all of that um, and kind of get stuck into any of your questions that you've got at the end, because I'm sure there'll be a fair few questions off the back of it, so please feel free to ask at the end. First of all, mate, I massively appreciate you coming on. I know you said you're not very busy today, but I know you are very busy, um, so I massively appreciate you coming on, mate. Do you want to give the guys a bit of a background intro and all that spiel about you and where you come from and all that business? Uh... Yeah, I'll give you the abridged version because it's not massively interesting, to be honest with you. Um,
2: I was a personal trainer slash science teacher, which is a bit of a weird combo. Um, didn't swear as much when I was a teacher, um, <laughs> but I got swore at a lot more. Um, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, I hadn't, Well, I was working as a PT and in a school, then I had an accident where I snapped both my patella tendons off the bone. I um, had both of my knees reconstructed. Spent quite a while in hospitals and then obviously bedridden at home and then in the Zimmer frame. So I had a lot of time to start to think about whether I was actually building a business that would <laughs> survive the fact that I probably couldn't walk very well um, and started doing little bits online. Went back to teaching mainly because I needed to uh, pay the bills and one-to-one PT wasn't really an option. Like getting around on my crutches, it's a bit like dog talk. Spider Man, you know, of all the things, and um, and then yeah, got to a point where I was, I mean, I was already sick of teaching for a long time, but I got to a point where I was really, really sick of teaching, uh, so I left, and then essentially started teaching people about nutrition. So I eventually ended up in the same job, except people are a little bit older, um, and then basically the last kind of twelve months, things have taken off. Um, we've grown quite a steady rate, and. I think now we're just kind of in a position where it's it's running nice and steadily we've got all our systems in place um so now I've, i don't know i'm, I'm probably going to try and talk about it as if i really know what i'm doing but essentially i've done most of it <laughs> by the seat of my pants um <laughs> for the start
1: yeah okay um i think where to start mate on this is that obviously like i seen the video you've actually filmed um, when you broke your legs, I've seen that video on social media somewhere. That, yeah, that was on camera, wasn't it? Was that at like combined fun. Fit doing some kind of course or something like that?
2: It was a it was a charity um, event. There was b- before I I'd ever been there. Apparently, there was a receptionist that died of some kind of mm-hmm. um, either heart failure. Very sudden, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So they were just raising money for um, the charity linked to whatever that condition was. And
1: yeah, I just fell over. Yeah, it was bad, mate. But obviously, going from that and obviously switching on, obviously, more or less by the sound of it overnight, you kind of start to think about moving your business online. Um, And I suppose that's how a lot of personal trainers have had to react less painfully, like not breaking two Mm. legs. And when it's come to COVID, you've had to, personal trainers everywhere have had to switch an online business overnight. And it's been quite overwhelming. And they've probably heard a hell of a lot over the past 12 weeks of how to build that business from a marketing sense of generating leads, speaking to people online. But I don't think the social media has been filled of people or coaches or people going through that process, talking about their service and systems and how they're getting people results. And for me, that's all I see from you, like that level of service, which is huge. Um, do you want to just start by talking about like get results training, the products you offer um, and how you deliver them services and so on? Yeah. So... Um,
2: we basically work within two systems at the minute. So we have a, a one-to-one coaching option, which is like a, an in-depth detailed coaching option. Um, and then we have our GR8 program, which is like an eight-week, um, I say group program, but we've tried to make it seem like it's individual. Um, what we've basically done is I looked at everything that we do with clients and highlighted the areas that actually make the biggest difference to them. and kind of try to take out the faff and the the detail that sometimes trainers put in just for the sake of saying that they do it Mm -hmm. um and really kind of systemize it into the these are the actual things you need to focus on in order to get results this is all the nice cherry on the pie stuff but if you don't want that and you just want literally to get on get some results and, and get involved with a program then the GR8 program's fine. And then for people who really want to accelerate progress who have specialist issues, really need all those kind of bells and whistles because they have a, an individual issue, then the one-to-one coaching option is pretty much for them. Um, I wanted to build a thing where people would get good results either way. And it comes down to the person's individual. Some people love a group program. Some people can't fucking stand it. You, all, you I've, I've had clients before who have to join a fucking Facebook group. I fucking hate Facebook groups. And then I'm like, right, well maybe that's not for you. Um, So yeah, um, basically the the goal of both things is to just deliver as much value to people as possible and ultimately get a result. Um, And however we do that tends to differ on the individual person. The GR8 program is a little bit more set in a systematic way whereas the one-to-one coaching is very much, you know, finding an individual solution for an individual person. But, I don't look at it as a personal training business, which people sometimes think is quite weird, but people hire us specifically to change the bodies that the, that's nuts and bolts of it. However, we deliver that, whether we we never even fucking step foot in a gym. All, all people are paying money for and parting with the cash for it. It's like going and getting lip fillers. They just want to come out with bigger lips and mm-hmm. people with us just want to come out with a better body that they can keep. So trying to keep that in mind across all the systems is kind of the point of it mm-hmm. rather than like trying to make me look like the best trainer or the smartest person in the world or trying to sell them. Right. They don't want a fucking gym program. They just want to look better. If they could do it without a gym, I guess 90% of people probably would. Mm-hmm. So okay. that was the kind of route that we went down when, when starting it up.
1: Mate, just, just talk us through because there's so many PTs that have obviously had to move online and they started probably with a group product actually, in most cases, because I think a lot of personal trainers switched on a group product because they wasn't really confident right now to deliver a high kind of ticket price to some of their clients um, or people that they've never met before, for example, and they didn't have the systems in place. Just talk me through how you articulate the difference between the group eight-week program and, I suppose, what is the difference between that and the one-to-one? Okay, so with the group program...
2: The Goop program is we give you all the information that you would ever need to do it yourself and help guide and support you through it. With the one-to-one program, I will fucking do it for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, And that's pretty much it. I will spoon feed it to you. And then as you get more confident and understand things, I will slowly allow you a bit more flexibility and a bit more freedom up until a point where you can handle it. And then we will slowly kind of... I always see the eight-week program as the end point for my one-to-one clients. Mm. Um, They should deal with their individual issues if they have them, or if they're really tentative about doing things and they need a lot of spoon feeding, start with the one-to-one, go all the way through it until they feel confident enough to basically just have the reins taken off. And then it's just more of a fact of accountability and having some overall planning ideas. Um, People sometimes come into the group program initially thinking that it's the easy option in, when it's actually technically more difficult for them because there's there's less support, there's less proper direction of you need to be thinking about these specific things. It's kind of, here's all the information, you've got to kind of pick from it what you want because not everything's relevant to everybody. Um, so what happens is usually after the, the week four period or the week three period, I, I say to people, right, you've you've done three weeks of it now, you know how we work, you know what we're like as people. If you use this to dip your toe in the water and now you're thinking, I actually fucking need some specific help here. We allow people to upgrade into the one-to-one pretty much initially rather than doing it at the end and wasting another four weeks at a time. Okay. So they put off the
1: back of each other, I yeah. think. Yeah, no, it sounds like it does because we've talked about this the other day regards to that natural journey through the business. As, and I suppose it's not until that initial screening process and understanding the person to, until you understand what's best for them And I suppose that's what happens when let's say someone's in that group program three, four weeks in and struggling because they can't be accountable to themselves. They're not motivated enough to overcome barriers. Too many things gets in the way. Then you can stand in and go, right, if this isn't going in the right direction for you, this is what you need. Question on the, um, you turning around and basically telling them and and, and going that this is, I'm controlling this and this is what I'm doing in this. Um, for the one-to-one perspective, how do you, How do you, suppose, recognize if a client is ready for that level of, I suppose, you dictating what you need onto them, what they need, should I say, onto them?
2: I think it's about being very clear in a consultation what the process is going to be and what the long-term, or at least the medium-term plan is. So it is a case of, if people are working one-to-one with me, it's because they don't have the answers to the problems that they've got. And it's a case of, right. At first, people with these kind of programs need to see progress. So although you want to deliver education to them, people don't value education. I've I've worked in education. People don't value it. Not initially. People are coming to you to change the body. You need to then convince them over the 12-week or whatever week period that the education is important. If you try and sell education on the front end, you're going to fucking spend a long time shouting on Instagram. So what we try and do is control the variables at first in order to start getting them on the way, get the buy-in from them. So they think, right, this guy knows what he's talking about. It's clearly working. And then the education becomes more valuable for them because then they're like, well, I can't pay this forever. I need to learn what's going on. And then they start to listen a bit more. If you're going with a lot of education on the front end, what I found is, people just tend to not really engage with it properly or sometimes it's just again a little bit too much rope for people to hang themselves with mm. so i mean the way i the way i view it is if i control the variables and say listen what we're going to do is we're going to do what i say and i'll explain why always there's always a reason why an understanding of why we're doing things but i'm going to set all the variables at first obviously depending on your preferences and what you want to do stuff like that and then as we move forward through the process as you get used to it and you understand it and you feel comfortable with it, then we'll start slowly unwinding bits of it. So it gives them more freedom as we move through
1: it. Okay, Mate, that's interesting. It's interesting to know. Talk us through that, I suppose, that onboarding process into the business, like um what systems and kind of what's that delivery like initially um, yeah. to bring them into the business? Because that'll really help out the PTs now.
2: So, initially obviously there's a consultation initially which is used to be more salesy and now pretty much the program sells itself from the results and it is more of a consultation and finding out whether the program's right for them whether they're the kind of person that's kind of ready for it and engage with it after that point they sign up it takes them straight to the website where they fill in the application form the application form is usual parky bullshit i say bullshit it's necessary but the uninteresting stuff at the start the second part of it then starts ranking where they are on their competency with handling different bits of their lifestyle. So handling a meal out, handling a last-minute work meeting, and I rank getting to rank themselves in competency on these things or confidence, not competency, because mm-hmm. they'll probably lie and say that they are very good at it or not. Um, but how confident they are at managing those situations and still maintaining progress. And then that for me gives me an overall snapshot of where they're actually quite good at whether they've with the training before and they understand it and where the massive holes are because if there's something where there's a massive hole that's generally their stumbling block and where they fall off the wagon as you will so that's where we put the initial strategies and the initial work in in order to kind of bridge that gap and get them kind of from a to b as fast as possible and <laughs> um, from my point of view and again from my teaching background people who don't know what they're doing or feel lost in situations are generally just going to go ah oh, fuck it mm. People are not like they don't persevere through situations, at least not initially when they first start in a program. So if you set them up where there's going to be instances during the week where they're not sure what to do, unless motivation is absolutely sky high, they're not going to crack on through it and go, right, how do I make the best out of this situation? They're going to go, well, I don't know what I'm doing, so fuck it. Exactly the way where I used to walk to the back of a maths class and there's a kid with his date and title done a fuck all else <laughs> after 40 minutes. And he's gone, well, I didn't know what I was doing, so I didn't do it.
0: So with that, with that, mate, um, so you find the holes in, in almost their lifestyle, like their challenges within the barrier, mm-hmm. their lifestyle they can't deal with and they can't apply stuff. So have you got, I guess, well, I won't answer the question, but have you got kind of certain go-to methods that you pull out for, have you noticed like a pattern with different people in different lifestyles that you go, I know this method is perfect for like 80% of that type of demographic, for example, do you have those that you just ping in there? So with that directness and dictativeness at the beginning, you know, it's going to fit because of the tried and tested methods. Is that, would that be correct?
2: Yeah, so I mean, generally we all know there's usually more than one way of doing things and there's usually a couple of different strategies you can you can go into. So it's a case of me sitting down with the client and going, right, this is the situation where you feel like you struggle with. These are the maybe two or three options that you've got in order to handle that situation. Say for example, it's eating out at a restaurant in the evening. So these are things you can do. You can either Massively reduce calories in the day and on, on the day of the meal and go for more of like a protein fast. So you're just eating very low calorie, higher protein meals, and then you're saving more calories for the end of the day. Um, and then you can kind of have what you wish. We yeah. can taper the whole week down slightly and build up some calories in order for that meal or you can try your best to track and portion that meal within the current calories that you've got. Mm. I'll give them the pros and the cons of each kind of option. And then it's like, right,
0: which of them seems like more something that you're willing to do. Yeah. So you are, you are dictating rele- like really, really relevant methods, but also creating autonomy with them as well. Like they're having that kind of back and forth with you a little bit. Right.
2: Yeah, in a sense, although I think if they pick an option, which I know fucking full well, they're not going to do, I'll tell them. <laughs> they're like, yeah, well, what I'll do is I'll just starve myself on that day, and I'm like, you fucking won't do that. <laughs> it's, it's about it's maybe, and to be fair, sometimes it's my job to look at their whole profile as a client and think, you know what? I'm not going to offer them option three, because mm. that's not going to work for them, and there's no point confusing them with it, so I might just offer them option one and two. Yeah. Um, and again, I always link it back to my teaching because it's probably where I've got most of my, my kind of skills from with this kind of thing. But it's a case of if you had a mixed ability class and you had three levels of worksheet, like an easier one, a harder one, and then a hardest one, you you try and let them pick so they can push themselves. But there's the kids that need to kick up the ass and you're like, put the easy one back down and pick up that one. And then there's some kids that want to please you and want to take the hard one. You're like, no. you. Need. So it's about really sort of... It's all about assessing a client. Everything comes down to understanding and assessing a client and kind of knowing them better
1: than they know themselves and then offering them the solutions that fit them. Mm. Just on that, mate, how do you gather that level of understanding from a distance?
2: Sometimes through trial and error. I'm not going to pretend I get it right with the client the first time, every single time. Um, I do try and spend a long time at the start of setting a client up actually talking to them. My consultations generally are half an hour long of just talking to them. The initial client setup up we do over video. And again, is me talking to them for a good 40, 45 minutes. Um, and then obviously the assessment is quite in depth for them to kind of self assess themselves and, you know, tell me what they're good at and what they're not good at. So before I've even kind of written a program for someone, I've probably spoken to them at length for, over an hour and that's assuming that i haven't spoken to them on social media before they've even done the consultation mm. um i think as soon as you start talking to a client from the very first second you start talking to them you've got to be assessing the kind of personality that they are and the strengths and the weaknesses and the things that they're going to struggle with and the things that they might do well with um, and the, the second you stop assessing them is the second you start losing the ability to coach them
1: mm. because
2: you're not sure where they are then you've lost them Mm. and then you need to spend time getting that back and sometimes you do need to spend time getting that back sometimes there'll be a I'll, sometimes check-ins can get slightly robotic with certain clients who kind of do tick off boxes every week and then sometimes you might get four weeks down the line and think you know what I need to probably chat with them for an hour and kind of figure out where they're going with this and what what we need to do over the next few weeks and it's mm. about making time and assessing where you need to put that time in
1: mm. Mate, just talk us through that check-in process as well because obviously from, an, from a, an online perspective, it's it's hugely important from a transformation perspective in a short space of time, it's the most important thing that you're going to come across, isn't it? Let's be real. So just talk us through how you manage that, part. So, I mean, generally everything comes down to sort of, for most transformations,
2: it's fat loss, let's be honest. You're not going to gain muscle in 12 weeks, appreciably anyway. Um, so from a fat loss perspective, it is about, obviously setting a calorie deficit but it's not just about shouting calorie deficit in someone's face and the worst thing you can possibly do to a human i think is when you go eat 1700 calories and then they don't eat 1700 calories your next response is to go eat 1700 calories and saying it fucking louder because they heard you the first time because they didn't understand how to implement it Mm. and repeating yourself is a fucking pointless exercise for everybody so what we what we do within check-ins is we don't tell him somebody to eat 25 grams less of carbs is a fucking waste of everyone's time and money what it's about is if we reduce calories or we set a calorie amount it's about giving them the strategies to actually be able to eat that amount of calories based on their preferences based on what they've been doing previously so it's not our check-ins, my check-ins usually take about 15 minutes per client, which is obviously would normally take longer if someone was first starting out to do it that way. But what I do is I go through my client's food diary every single day of the week, highlight the things that they've done well, um, highlight the things that obviously need to weaken. And then if there is an overall change in the program and maybe we've reduced calories, I'll go through the week and pick out the appropriate times in their diet where they could have taken those calories from. Instead of just leaving them to freewheel it, so that a fixed the problem because you, you've done the math side of it, which it, it just come down to kind of calories in, calories out, and there is a basic equation, but it also gives them actionable strategies that they could put into their life in order to do it. And there's no point having one without the other mm. because then it just becomes a point of you could calculate it, could do your job.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, do you know what's important about this is that people are buying that transformation to get results in a short space of time. And when you said at the start regards to dictating your level of information onto them, it's, I suppose you have, you have elements of control in a very consciously coaching type of format, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. you're going, right, I understand you. I know the types of methods that could be best for you. I'm going to give you them options, but I'm also going to lead you through that with some I suppose instantly applicable things off the back of the food diary. Is that the food? So, what different ways do you support them in kind of tracking their nutrition on that transformation?
2: Um, so we go through a couple of ways, and it, again, it depends on meeting the client where they're at. Um, so certain clients, if they don't want to make decisions, they're, they're very kind of they're not really fussed about rotating many foods. It can go all the way from a meal plan obviously put together with foods they like and enjoy that kind of shit. Um, It can then branch out from maybe a set meal, plan breakfast, lunch and during the day and a rotating evening meal. And it can go all the way to just full on tracking whatever food that you want and working within macros. And it's up to me to dictate, well, help the client pick where on that line they want to land depending on their results. Um, Because, although meal plans and I know personal trainers have loved this tagline of meal plans don't work, but they massively, massively do in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. And it's about being critical about the pros and the cons of each one. And now the pros of flexibly tracking is that for 90% of people, that's all you'll ever need to get to where they want to get to. Um, and it obviously allows the most flexibility and variety. If you're talking about getting an incredible transformation, People don't realise that food packets can be twenty percent up and twenty percent down on the calories that they actually have listed and tracked. Mm. If you've got a massive variety of foods that change in every day, that's a forty percent swing that you can have, which is noise. And when it comes down to you know making minute adjustments and pushing calories even lower, a forty percent amount of noise can make a huge difference in someone's end result. So it's about like at times I've had clients who've tracked flexibly all the way through, and then when they've got quite lean and they want to get photoshoot lean, it's about okay, you either need to pick the same foods and rotate between the same kind of sources of food. So that kind of 40% swing, 20% up, 20% down doesn't come into the factor, or we can sit down now and and set a set meal plan. For some people it might be setting them a set meal plan so they get into some sort of habits and routines if they've been completely kind of free ball in the diet and then slowly undoing it meal by meal week by week until they are tracking flexibly and then that will get them 90% of where they want to go so what I say to people on consultations is in reality I'm not really that clever what I am is a very good filter and my job is to look at all the information out there assess whether it's the right information for you and then present it to you in a way that you can understand Um, I've never made anything up in my life I've never discovered anything I've never I've I've done a bit of research journaling at university, but I've I've you know, I'm not out here creating new protocols and new things. What I'm doing is looking at the stuff everyone else is doing
1: and filtering out the bullshit that you don't need to bother with and finding the right things that fits for the right person. Mm. Do you know what, mate? It's important you've said that because there's a lot of personal trainers that'll have that level of imposter syndrome in a sense of they don't want to make this break into because let's be real, like we work within a commercial gym where the majority of personal trainers who work within a commercial gym are within their first two years of being a personal trainer. So they're focusing on face-to-face, one-to-one PT, and so they should like, actually craft, master it. Mm-hmm. But then that online coaching is that level up. And what we've found is that is that level of – suppose that level of lacking in confidence to make that step because they see it as a completely different entity, it's a completely different product, which in some ways it is, don't get me wrong, a transformation product is a – completely different product and these elements that you're going to have to change from coaching to training and dictating and so on. But it's important you've said that because everything you've just delivered here, a lot of personal trainers will be like, well, yeah, I try to give my clients them options and all you're doing is that from a distance and giving them that elements of control within what's possible to fit into their life. And that's what that you're what you delivering. So it's an important point now. So I appreciate you making it. Mate, just talk us through, um, Obviously you've got from what it looks like for me, from the outside looking in from an Instagram perspective, the results you get are unreal. And the one of the reasons why I like this is you get a lot of real life results There's a lot of real life people in there with backstories that you tell about their profession, their, their relationship with food, all of that. It's not just you getting people super lean for a photo shoot all the time, which is like, which is great to have in your business anyway, but just talk us through the types of systems that you use to make it as easy as possible for you to be able to get these life-changing results for people? So, to be fair, we we use software to deliver our plans, um,
2: training software. Uh, I use TrueCoach. They all pretty much do the same thing. The reason why I use TrueCoach is just because it was actually the the least complicated and the most bare bones. Um, The other ones that I looked at, look very bells and whistly to me but I'm a trainer who likes that kind of stuff and I have to understand that my clients aren't particularly that interested in all the metrics and stuff like that they just want a clean interface that kind of does it um so then what we do is we generally just make sure everything's quite systemized for most people and then we allow time to deliver the coaching on top of that so they will get kind of workouts that ping to the phone. Um, It can be done with a Google sheet, to be fair, I think. Um, Again, we set the nutrition up on video at the start, so it kills out dead time of them asking a load of questions and feeling that they're not very competent with it. I show them the program, what we're going to do on a Zoom call, and talk them through why we're going to do things and allow them to ask any questions at that point. Um, Everyone's got an FAQ document, but nobody fucking reads them. Mm -hmm. And... Let's be honest. If nobody does, I've got one. The amount of times I've said, "Read the FAQ document." I might as well just fucking answer the question. So it's just easier just to do it on a Zoom call. And and again, they it allows you more time to analyse them and have a chat with them and get to understand mm-hmm. them a bit more. Um, the way that we do things is I like to give people slight ownership of their plans and their changes. So it makes them feel like they're actually doing it themselves rather than being told what to do. So instead of me telling them what the check-in thing is, I ask them a question about what they think is the next step going forward or, or ask, i give them a task of what to do. So for example, this week, one of my clients, progress was fine. Protein was lower on some of the days than I'd have liked. So my question to them was, how do you think we could set this up to where you weren't constantly trying to scrape protein in at the end of the day in order to, you know, kind of meet your goals because you're missing it some days and going over your calories. Um, So what do you think you should do? And then she came back with, well, I could pre-program my protein in the night before and then fit my calories around that if I wanted to. And then I'm like, right, that's great. Now I want you to actually do it and show me an example so I can check over it and make sure that it's right. She went away, did it, sent it back. After that, you don't need to do that again mm-hmm. because they've done it themselves so they know what they're doing. They've had it checked over so they know what they're doing is right and you give them feedback that's saying this is why it was right. That then teaches them the lesson you don't need to do it again.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: it's always that level of, that level of coaching autonomy in, in that and i think that's dead important me like obviously i know it's a transformation program i know there's going to have to be elements of tell throughout completely um but having that time with them to have build the program out with you is huge for them isn't it because you on that call can instantly assess how they're feeling about that because you'll be able to recognize that sustained talk about all oh, that exercise i yeah, I'll I'll try and go into the weight room this week or whatever it is that they come back with. Do you understand what I mean? So then you can tweak and change it there and then that's quality. And um, just on the process, because you've just gone gone into some of them. Um do you use anything different from a check-in perspective? So like you use True Coach for programming, you use different formats for types of nutrition point of view, so from plans to food diaries to my fitness pal, all of that type of stuff. Um check-in forms, how do you manage your check-in process? How extensive is that? Um The checking form, to be fair, again, is kind of like the application
2: form in a sense of we get the data and the numbers done first, like what was your weight this week, what was your weight last week, what was your belly button measurement this week, what was it last week, that kind of stuff. Uh, What calories are you on, how many steps have you done? Then further down the line, it starts getting into more qualitative stuff rather than quantitative. Um, That's numbers and words, because I have to remind myself before I say that. Um, I don't know why I use those words to be fair. Um, but as we get through it, it's
1: too big for me, mate. Don't use that <laughs> yeah, you know what it is, it's because I had I had my nootropic
2: formula and my caffeine and I I was a proper internet geek before I did it, so that's why I'm using big words. Um but as we get further into it, it's asking them about their struggles, what they what they need to do better le- next week, what they want to focus on for the next week. And some of the great it's about asking good questions and like the last question on the form is what do you think that you can do during this week in order to address the points that you've listed above that allows them to actually reflect on what they've said and if even if they don't get it right it allows me to identify the misconceptions that they've got and fix them so either way it's a win win if they get it right then they've self reflected and they've made the right choices and i just tip, i'm just like yeah that's exactly what you need to do if they get it wrong It allows me to coach them, but it also allows me to identify maybe some previous knowledge or things that they might not have understood correctly previously that have led to them thinking that that was the way to go forward. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that's how we kind of undo a lot of the problems that people have when they come in with us.
1: Okay, Brill. No, that's awesome, mate. Um, Listen, last one for me, because I can see there's quite a few questions coming through, Nick, um, from the guys, uh, which is brilliant. And keep asking your questions, because... You have definitely got bags of time for them. Um, So last one from me, mate. It's just what's been, I suppose, your biggest learnings from dealing with people and getting them results? Because bear in mind, you are 100% a results-based business being a transformation program. What's been your biggest learnings that you could pass on to a PT that, A, are just dipping their toes into the water with this or haven't even done it before? Um, Yeah, so what's your biggest learnings been along the way for that transformation program? Don't be
2: stuck into a system of doing things because everybody like people buy into certain camps, like, like with training, for example, people like the low intensity kind of high volume stuff. And some people like circuits and some people really like, I don't know, the JP bodybuilder style training where it's like really, really high weight, low reps. And people get stapled into this idea because they've read a bit of research, more than likely a couple of abstracts um that says it's the best thing and then they're like right this is the way you've got to do it this is the best way to get and to be fair the best way to get results with people is to get them to fucking do it long enough in order to get them if you can get someone to do a program for 12 weeks even if it's not the best program in the world doing anything for 12 weeks is better than eating twinkies and mars bars is going to get most people really good results so i think for me the biggest learning curve that i got because i came from a background where i was an athlete and I wanted to bodybuild and stuff like that. And I thought you had to be super, super. You can actually get away with a lot more than you think you can. It's mm-hmm. just having a measured amount of things they can get away with in order to keep them, you know, adhering to the program and then getting them actually doing the program for long enough. So it's about finding that balance that's different for each person on enough of the things that are going to get them results but not too much of the things that are going to get them results because then they won't fucking do it and then you're not going to get any results. So it's about everyone has their own tipping point with that and it's about kind of finding the right one for the client. But
1: What would you say is your tipping point in your business? Because I've seen it blow up from the outside looking in over the last kind of six months or so. Um, What's been your, obviously your main component of bringing people into your business is the results that you've been getting, let's be real, and your Mm -hmm. personality online and stuff like that. But what's been the main tipping point do you feel that's then been like, wow, actually we've I've took off it? Oh, as in what happened or what do I think led to it? What do what do I think what do you think's kind of contributed to that apart from the volume of results? What what is it? Stopping giving a shit about what other personal trainers think. Mm. What you couldn't have said that any better, look at Nick's face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely, I used to be like, I used to think about what I was posting. I used to be oh well what if this you know what if somebody says I'm I'm shit or like I've done it wrong and stuff like that and I'm thinking you know what fucking I say Debbie all the time because I don't know anyone called Debbie, which is why I can just use Debbie.
0: Debbie's well, Doris. Doris. Yeah,
2: everyone's <laughs> I don't know a Debbie, so it makes it quite a bit <laughs> <because> <laughs> good so, what are you you about. Uh, but but like, like Debbie from Asda doesn't give a fuck whether you've got the perfect amount of volume per per training session. Um so you've just got to think, I just started thinking. Am I actually helping people here? Like, is this useful for somebody to read? Yeah, is it? Right, get it done. And then not be ashamed of actually fucking running a business and doing well. I think that was partially part of it. Like, I had to kind of, at, at one point, take off the shackles of what I thought a PT was supposed to be doing and a PT was and essentially just stop thinking you have to do things the way other people do it. The the minute I started acting more like I was when I was a teacher rather than I thought I was as a personal trainer, we took leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else because I think what happens with certain trainers is they get caught in being a trainer and trainers all do the same things and this is the way you do it or else you're not a very good trainer. But in reality, 80% of the business fucking struggles. So in reality, you're actually copying people who aren't particularly doing very well. Mm. Which then self-perpetuates itself. And that's it, that's a harsh thing to say, but we are a quite high turnover business. People come so into reality for a golden ticket. And mm-hmm. and let's be honest, there's there's a large amount of PTs you barely fucking scrape by. So why would I want to copy people and be like people and aspire to be and try and impress people who are who are barely getting by? So the more lessons I took from being a teacher and actually being a business person or somebody who runs a business, whether that be fucking bricklaying or something like that, but taking aspects of what works for other people and putting it into our business, that's when we really, when I stopped basically trying to be a fitness business and I just started being a normal business that helps people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, do you know what, mate? And there's always a saying that rings out in my head and I think it was my McDonald who said it was one of the things for me when I was dealing with people online and stuff like that, is that you do get rabbit-holed in the fitness industry and I've done it. Like You get rabbit-holed into... You go on a course and every then one of your clients, that gets brought into their life. And I think when you do step back and you start to deal with reality, like you've just said, 90% of your business, a general population, don't care about periodization, progressive overload, don't Journaling. Care. Yeah, g- <laughs> macros. G- all of that. Journaling's my pet peeve at the minute. I fucking hate it.
2: And I know loads of people who are dead successful. Not one of them write the, the goals and the things that they're grateful for every fucking day. Yeah, every personal trainer is now right. You've got to get a journal, and you've got. Ah, listen, diaries are for fourteen-year-olds.
1: <laughs> Wait, I'm going to What, are you, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: a, that's got times on it. It's your feelings in it. No, and to be fair, it's useful for certain people. But again, some people like. You're you no I'm, no, I'm sticking with it. I've, I've said it before. No, listen. People like journaling and then they make everybody in
1: their fucking client base journal. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. I think, do you know what it is? It's it's understanding that we have our own things that we are passionate about. We have our own beliefs that we're interested in, our hobbies and interests. But it doesn't mean our clients have to have the same. And we yeah. we, we hold them all into. as soon as we've gone on a strong conditioning course. And by the way, this is me saying this was me. Every one of my clients is doing Olympic lifts and fucking doing loads of mobility drills for the first half an hour of a session. Yeah. But actually Stuart from the office just wants to lose his gut, have better posture, be fitter for his kids and and have a better relationship with his wife because it's gone down the drain. And there's that saying that like my McDonald says, you manage lives and not macros. Do you know what I mean? And that's for me, that's never a truer saying. Um and all the other what all the other ones that are out there. So Good, mate, that's me tackle through all my stuff and we've got through loads there, but let's get stuck into these questions. Steffi, um, how would you keep a client motivated that seems not to engage 100% or lose their way? You, right, you've got to be quite realistic with some of this and you can only go so far
2: for people. Um, mm. My initial reaction is to say charge them more money. Okay. Just because okay. If, if I don't deal with it because I say to people, you, to get results out of this program, you have to engage. You can fall off the wagon and eat at McDonald's. You can sack off your training for three days. As long as you engage with the program and you're in tune with the coaching process, I can help you work around all those things. If you fucking ghost me, I'm not your ex-girlfriend. I'm not going to text you four times in a row. You've got two texts. And then, unfortunately, I'm going to have to have a word with you about whether this is the right thing for you. And I say that on a consultation, and then people are like, oh, fuck, well, at least if I'm you know, people make mistakes. People run into barriers. Every time somebody fucks up on the diet plan, it's, it's a roadblock that you haven't noticed before, and you've got to help them overcome. If it's a point of they're just not fucking replying to you and they're not doing stuff, then you've not set your expectations well enough, and clearly you're not stinging them in the pocket enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? We talked about this with Emma Story Garden, didn't we, Nick, regards to that price. you know, We were talking about pricing yeah. on the program, and uh, this was at the start of lockdown, and we talked about um, accountability, adherence, and listen, there's no bigger factor in accountability and adherence um, to when someone knows they are paying for it. If they know they are paying for it, they are bought into it and bought into the process, and if they hit the ground running... They're probably going to get results quite quick. Therefore, motivation levels will, will go through the roof off the back of it. I'm, I'm going to
2: be wholly honest. I think online personal training is – good online personal training is the most underpriced, undervalued aspect of the fitness. Good personal training is undervalued. How It sounds a really crass way to think about it, but how much does a boob job cost? Mm. Five grand. You're doing the same fucking thing. Yeah. You're providing yeah. the same – you're doing the same thing to someone's mentality about the way they look. You're doing the same thing to the, the physicality. Yes, a five grand boot job is quicker and you'll probably be in and out within a couple of days, but you are providing the same end product. One of them's 5,000 pounds. You're charging 75 pound a month. If you can do the job.
0: that's it's, it's that. I think what we talked about there is, is Steve, you work off Training principles and thermodynamics, which is the principles of how you should apply your methods. And you found out really good methods and how to apply them to individuals. I mean, that, that I mean if we break it down like that, that's what mm-hmm. you haven't you? And you made an incredible business out of it. So you're now, you now have confidence in going. I can do this if you do this, 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 and this. And there is autonomy because when you were speaking then. When you first said, oh, I tell them blah, 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 I was like, oh, okay, it's like more of a trainer mindset. But then when you were discussing about how you apply that, well, the, the questions you were asking and giving examples was, was full on coaching, but with guidelines and boundaries. What, what are the methods and the, from the principles you know that are sound and work? And I think one of you've nailed it when you said, we're we're looking around constantly what other people are doing. Number one, because we we don't believe or we don't trust the principles that we were taught, which has been the same for thirty years, four years, whatever it is, and have never gone through that. And I think that kind of proof of concept. You know, we always say, <clears throat> ideally, you'd want to go out and you'd want to get direct debits and you want to get like you know, minimum terms and all that kind of stuff. But initially as a trainer, you need to apply those principles and you need to get experience and you need to train people to get confidence and then to kind of build up over time, don't you? Um, But our biases as trainers, I did it, affects us so much. Mm. It's what we like and it's how we train and it's what we're interested in. And that clouds the way we run a, a business so much. So much. I completely agree. Um, By yeah. the way,
2: I've made all of these, these mistakes before. Yeah. We like, all I've, I've said the words to people, well, you probably just don't want it enough. I've said that. I take the piss out of it every day now. <laughs> I've, I've said it. to There's probably people reading it going, you fucking lying twat. You said that to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Brilliant. And you know what's important in this is throughout the whole, you've talked to us through the process, the service within your business, how to get results, which is all realistic for a personal trainer to go and pick up and apply. But when you're dealing with clients, when it comes down to motivation, you've already discussed at the start types of triggers for what derails them, right? So you're already aware. They are now self aware because there's been elements of self talk in that onboarding process. So when they do come about it, because I don't know, they've been on a hem weekend and they don't train for the following week because they're all rough or whatever it is. They already know they're in that and they know how to manage it and control it. So actually, it's not an actual huge dip in motivation because I know how to get back through that straight away. So I think that's an important part to pick out of it. Next one, um, Benjamin Lily Sorry, this is quality info. It's crazy how a lot of people don't realize how people need guidance in different ways as everyone learns differently. A million percent, that's where levels of autonomy comes in. Amish, um, how would you best apply deliberating one's self efficacy to enhance their adherence towards their goals? I think you can Can you do. say that in can you say yeah. that like in comments Yeah, yeah. All right, our kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, <laughs> how would you best apply self efficacy in um, in the, in, your, in your consumers? And to enhance their adherence towards their goals. You kind of covered this at the start, I think, yeah. um, when you turned around and said that you you identify, I'm not going to answer this for you, but you identify who's best for each programme. And if they fall into the group programme where they have have to have higher levels of self-efficacy and they struggle with that, they step into the one-to-one. So that's kind of how you do it. But any other answers for that, mate? Um it's
2: generally about talking to them and just understanding mm-hmm. where they're at and maybe the things that they've tried in the past. Um, we get a large proportion of people who've worked with some other trainer before they come to train with us. Um, so it's a case of maybe asking the question, what worked last time and what didn't work? And where do you, if the first thing someone says to me is, oh, well, I just need, I need help and a kick up the arse. I'm not going to go, oh, go in the group programme mm-hmm. because uh, you fucking won't get that in there. So maybe it's just about asking the right questions. I would probably say, don't speak like that either because you'll probably confuse them. Um, <laughs> smaller, smaller words, remember that, th- this is one that I have a pet peeve about and I'm probably gonna go in a rant here. Remember that the children that you were in school who had the reading age of someone five years younger than them grew up into adults that possibly make money and can purchase your services. So remember that not everyone's reading age is above the same level and maybe tailor your written and spoken English to ways that lay people can understand. And don't be trying to speak to scientific trainers and worried that they're gonna pick you up because if you use, I use the word tone all the time. Everybody knows what tone means. General public knows what tone means. I don't give a fuck if some personal trainer says on Instagram, well, toning isn't a thing. Because if I agree it's a thing and they agree it's a thing and we both know that thing is the same thing, it's a fucking thing.
1: Yeah, think science speak client, mate. That's there, the one.
2: there you yeah. go. Oh, that's a fucking. I've got all cool. my sayings that's, in today. That's going on your blue square
1: tomorrow
0: that,
1: isn't
0: <laughs> it? Pulls <laughs> uh, it right. out once a week, mate. You pull that out once a week, at least.
1: Last, I oh know this is from Stephish. She said, It's not a question, but I just have to say, you've found someone that swears as much as Anne. <laughs> <laughs> <She loves it. laughs>
2: the demographic you grew up where we grew up mate your you second <laughs>
1: word's usually a swear word yeah, dragged, up. dragged up right brilliant and um, that was a huge amount of information mate and a lot there that i think not only can personal trainers take and apply um, and add to what they've done over the past 12 weeks hopefully but i actually think that's a massive confidence boost as well for yeah. a lot of pts which is huge mate and that's really valuable for what you've done is because that, like I said to you at the start, there's a lot of PTs that don't know whether to take that leap or don't go with two feet in and just kind of step with one foot out of the comfort zone into the online world and if, if a few posts don't go their way or um, all of that type of stuff it, it's not for them when really you've shown that you've gone two feet in, you've then ignored the crowd in a sense of listen, not listen to the noise, being 100%, um 100 percent you throughout that process, and essentially you have done what needed to be done from a science perspective for general population to get them results, Um, but no different to what any other PT who's learned the same kind of methods, principles and processes than you. So I just think it's class that you've been Mm. able to share that information. If there was anything that you would leave the PTs on um, with me um, from all what we've spoke about or any advice that if you could look back at the start of your online business, to where you are now and tell yourself something back then that you know now, what would that be? Uh, Delivery is everything. So it's not about the information.
2: Well, it's about obviously having the right information itself, but pretty much 20% of the stuff that you learn as a PT will dictate probably 80% of your results. It's about how you package and deliver that information to people in a digestible and accessible way that will make the difference for Mm -hmm. unless you work in a specialist population for general population people you it sounds simplistic you need to teach them to eat less and to move more and to make better choices but it's about having lots of different ways of packaging that that you can deliver to different people depending on on what their preferences are and what their learning capabilities are and, and that kind of thing so I would say that instead of going out and getting all these bells and whistles and knowing how to do advanced hyperchelphia. I've got a fucking, I've got a degree biomechanics. You won't fucking believe that, would you? I've never even fucking touched it. Um, But it's about having a lot of very well packaged basics in different formats rather than having a load of scientific bells and whistles. Um, I, I can't even spell the word endocrinology. So
1: yeah. Real. Okay, mate. Mate, that's awesome. Nick, anything else from you, pal?
0: <laughs> no, no. I think it's been a... Yeah, it's been different. It's been really, really good. I think it's been really, really good for everybody who's been watching and that will uh, watch it back as well. Yeah, really good, mate. Re- really appreciate your time. Yeah, Not a problem.
1: Appreciate your time. We'll stick this on the podcast as well with the rest of the guys and we'll share that in a, in, in a few days' time. But, mate, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much.